there, listeners. It's time. Time for go to bed. That's right. It's time. Time for stories. We got another thunderstorm rolling through. Yeah, well, at least it's not a practice night. Dragon Boat practice for those listening. Everything's growing at a beautiful rate. Everything's just reaching into the sky and just it's beautiful. A big fence grew around our yard. Yeah, a big fence. We we got it. <laughs> Finally, we're ready. Ready to uh we have, boundaries have been laid down. Yeah, we don't have to worry about the murder dogs next door hopping the fence and killing our friends when yeah, we have when friends, we have company. Relatives, small children. Pets. Small children eating yeah. our plants. Shitting on. And we our, don't have oops. to look at our at the dog pit. Yeah. Nasty the yard next yeah, the yard next door is an eyesore. The landlord killed everything in the backyard and it's all mud and poop. Yeah. So but anyway, welcome, uh Suze. I hope you're yeah. ready for a good show. We've got some really cool stuff tonight on the program. Uh you know, usual fare, but some things are coming to an end. Yeah. Some so. things are coming to an end. What, like Popeye? We out of Popeye soon? Or well, something? no. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna oh. sa- we're gonna save Popeye because we, yeah, we're almost out of Popeyes. But no, no, that's that's the that's small potatoes. We're at the yeah. end of Ozma of Oz. Oh, okay, yeah. And the chapters yeah. are all relatively short. They're only like yeah. each nine minutes. So we're gonna get through all those. If we don't, we might have to skip Popeye tonight. But we have okay. a Popeye ready. So yeah, good, with the good. final three chapters of Ozma of Oz. It's it's kind of sad, but then we'll move on to the next book. Yeah, the next one is Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. So we there's more. Yeah. Don't you worry your pretty little heads. And of course, we have Wormwood Forest episode nine, Jerry of the Circus episodes thirteen and fourteen, and I believe episodes thirteen and fourteen end the current story arc, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. So. Wow. So yeah, so we're 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 coming. We're we have some conclusions uh, tonight. We make progress. Yeah, but there's tons of Jerry in the circus. Not as many wormwood forests. No, not so, not as many. So not um, as many. But uh, yeah, so in in other fun news, I thought uh, because we love talking about this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've been really working on our eBay store and we're not oh, here yeah. to, we're not here to sell you stuff. Uh, but we do, uh, we do all like to talk about what has been selling in, mm-hmm. in the form of our kind of rare media. And, yeah. uh, we, uh, so I'm going to go over some of the stuff that we, uh, um, uh, have sold. So yeah, uh, in recent history, talk a little bit about our resellers and our store there at Voodoo Zombie Boutique. So our recent sales have been uh, in the Mouth of Madness, a former rental copy. uh, Yeah, from nineteen ninety five, great John Carpenter movie. Got more money than I paid for it for sure. Uh, Of a movie that I got for nothing. Eighteen. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm not going to say prices. 
a movie I got for nothing sold for quite a bit of money called Demon Lover uh, from 2002. Yeah, Chloe Demon Savi- Lover just Chloe Savini. Yeah. Um, a Dolph Lundgren movie, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Uh, we sold that. Uh, yeah. Still waiting on a payment for a couple, so I'm not going to mention those. Uh, we purchased a lot of 62 VHS tapes for 50 cents a piece a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and we earned back all that money plus more off of yeah. one tape, Halloween 2, the 1987 MCA stereo version, uh, which yeah. is kind of rare. And we sold a movie called The Hollywood Sign from 2002, uh, a DVD of uh, the sci-fi animated classic by Rene Leloux, Time Masters, from my own personal collection on mm-hmm. DVD. Got a very rare copy, got it. Ginger Ale Afternoon from 1989, uh, sexy comedy, and uh, yeah. we also sold uh, an, an, our second copy of Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> so and because uh, I did such a great job on the write up, yeah, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so we're we're good. Um, we, that's just uh, some of the stuff we sold in last week. So uh, we're happy because yeah. our, our we're getting more eyeballs, and we love the media. And in the it's it's fun just to look at our store because I do a lot of the write ups and throw in lots of fun facts on things. So yeah. some of the some of the newly listed uh, stuff is fun. So yeah. anyway, uh, enough shameless self promotion. But yeah, Voodoo Zombie Boutiques is our store. Uh, on eBay, on of course. eBay. So there you because go. it's it's really not. The climate to open up a physical store. Oh heck no! In the world, no, it hasn't it's really been for not. a while. So, <laughs> oop. But um, so excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have muted that. That's okay. That just came out. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've been having a good time selling stuff on eBay, and um, we uh, you know, right now we're both not working, so why not yeah, have a good time exactly. with it? Exactly. So, so, uh, hmm. so yeah, so I'm, uh, and, uh, yeah, so here, just, just for fun, if anyone wants to look, uh, we have, uh, you know, a lot of weird stuff, but we do have some, you know, we do have some garbage that we sell, some Disney movies and things like that, but, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, if you want to buy those Disney movies, we, we, we got them up for sale. Yeah. There's tons of those in the life. uh, Anyway, we're not. Uh, we're not necessarily trying to sell to you guys. We just, uh, you know, just look at our store and see what kind of fun stuff we have. So why not? Uh, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent positive feedback too. And um, just what I wanted: fast delivery. Uh, yep. So anyway, and uh, yeah, so check it out if you if you want to take a peek and see what we're selling. Not that we we're urging our friends to buy things from us. Because we know you're not necessarily into buying media like this. But, hey, if you want a DVD or Blu-ray, we've got that stuff, too. But anyway, I just wanted to put up there. Because we have cool pictures and stuff, too. And cool stuff we're selling. So, Yeah, uh, take a look at some stuff. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's jump into it. uh, Because this is time for Go to Bed. Uh, we got to start our final three chapters of Ozma of Oz. So, are you ready for that, Suze? I'm so ready. Are you going to be sad yes. when, when uh, we're out of chapters? It's one of my favorite books, so yeah, but I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. Because anything here we go. could happen. All right, chapter 19, Ozma of Oz. 
Chapter 19 of Ozma of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 19 The King of Ev. If there were any shifting, rock colored gnomes on the mountainside now, they were silent and respectful. For our adventurers were not annoyed, as before, by their impudent laughter. Really, the gnomes had nothing to laugh at since the defeat of their king. On the other side, they found Ozma's golden chariot standing as they had left it. Soon, the lion and the tiger were harnessed to the beautiful chariot, in which was enough room for Ozma and the queen and six of the royal children. Little Evering preferred to ride with Dorothy upon the sawhorse, which had a long back. The prince had recovered from his shyness and had become very fond of the girl who had rescued him. So they were fast friends and chatted pleasantly together as they rode along. Bilna was also perched upon the head of the wooden steed, which seemed not to mind the added weight in the least, and the boy was full of wonder that a hen could talk and say such sensible things. When they came to the gulf, Ozma's magic carpet carried them all over in safety, and now they began to pass the trees, which birds were singing, and the breeze that was wafting to them from the farms of Ev was spicy with flowers and new-mown hay, and the sunshine fell full upon them to warm them and drive away from their bodies the chill and dampness of the underground kingdom of the gnomes. I would be quite content, said the scarecrow to Tick-Tock, were only the tin woodman with us, but it breaks my heart to leave him behind. He was a fine fellow, replied Tick-Tock, although his material was not very durable. Oh, tin is an excellent material, the scarecrow hastened to say. And if anything ever happened to poor Nick Chopper, he was always easily soldered. Besides, he did not have to be wound up, and was not liable to get out of order. I sometimes wish, said Tick-Tock, that I was stuffed with straw as you are. It is hard to be made of copper. I have no reason to complain of my lot, replied the Scarecrow. A little fresh straw now and then makes me as good as new. But I can never be the polished gentleman that my poor departed friend, the Tin Woodman, was. You may be sure the royal children of Ev and their queen, mother, were delighted at seeing again their beloved country. And when the towers of the palace of Ev came into view, they could not forbear cheering at the sight. Little Evering, riding in front of Dorothy, was so overjoyed that he took a curious tin whistle from his pocket and blew up shrill blasts that made the sawhorse leap and prance in sudden alarm. What is that? asked Bilna, who had been obliged to flutter her wings in order to keep her seat upon the head of the frightened sawhorse. That's my whistle, said Prince Evering, holding it out upon his hand. It was the shape of a little fat pig, made of tin and painted green. 
The whistle was in the tail of the pig. Where did you get it? asked the yellow hen, closely examining the toy with her bright eyes. Why, I picked it up in the Gnome King's palace while Dorothy was making her guesses, and I put it in my pocket, answered the little prince. Bilna laughed, or at least she made the particular crackle that served her for a laugh. Baka ha, baka! No wonder I couldn't find the Tin Woodman, she said. And no wonder the magic belt didn't make him appear, or the king couldn't find him either. What do you mean? questioned Dorothy. Why, the prince had him in his pocket! Baha! Baka! cried Bilna, crackling again. I did not, protested little Evering. I only took the whistle. Well, then, watch me! returned the hen, and reaching out her claw, she touched the whistle and said, Ev! Swish! <laughs> Good afternoon, said the tin woodman, taking off his flannel cap and bowing to Dorothy and the prince. I think I must have been asleep for the first time since I was made of tin, for I do not remember our leaving the Gnome King. You have been enchanted, answered the girl, throwing an arm around her old friend and hugging him tight in her joy. But it's all right now. I want my whistle, said the little prince, beginning to cry. Hush, cautioned Bilna. The whistle is lost, but you may have another when you get home. The scarecrow had fairly thrown himself upon the bosom of his old comrade. So surprised and delighted was he to see him again, and Tick-Tock squeezed the tin woodman's hand so earnestly that he dented some of his fingers. Then they had to make way for Ozma to welcome the Tin Man, and the army caught sight of him and sent up a cheer, and everyone was delighted and happy. For the Tin Woodman was a great favorite with all who knew him, and his sudden recovery after they thought he was lost to them forever was indeed a pleasant surprise. Before long, the cavalcade arrived at the royal palace, where a great crowd of people had gathered to welcome their queen and her ten children. There was much shouting and cheering, and the people threw flowers in their path, and every face wore a happy smile. They found the Princess Lagwagner in her mirrored chamber, where she was admiring one of her handsomest heads, one with rich chestnut hair, dreamy walnut eyes, and a shapely hickory nut nose. She was very glad to be relieved of her duties to the people of Ev, and the queen graciously permitted her to retain her rooms and her cabinet of heads as long as she lived. Then the queen took her eldest son out upon the balcony to overlook the crowd of subjects gathered below and said to them, Here is your future ruler. King Evardo fifteenth. He is fifteen years of age, has fifteen silver buckles on his jacket, and is the fifteenth Evardo to rule the land of Ev. The people shouted their approval fifteen times, and even the wheelers, some of whom were present, loudly promised to obey the new king. 
So the queen placed a big crown of gold set with rubies upon Ivardo's head and threw an ermine robe over his shoulders and proclaimed him king. And he bowed gratefully to all his subjects and then went away to see if he could find any cake in the royal pantry. Ozma of Oz and her people, as well as Dorothy, Tick-Tock, and Bilna, were splendidly entertained by the Queen Mother, who owed all her happiness to their kind offices, and that evening the Yellow Hen was publicly presented with a beautiful necklace of pearls and sapphires as a token of esteem from the new king. End of chapter 19 Recorded by Lyle Wilson well, Lyle Wilson, you suck because it's Belina, and it's yeah. ca it's cackle, not he crackle. Keeps saying it wrong. He's, and he's then, saying it wrong. And then uh, the uh, uh, but I got a lot of room to talk because I wasn't broadcasting the first uh, uh, fifteen minutes of the show. Oh no! So oh, well. my apologies to everyone. Everything will be available in the podcast, and you can hear us. We were yeah. talking about our recent VHS sales too. That's why we had yeah. the link in there. So we thought we were on there. I just must not have hit the button the right way because I looked and it said idle on my broadcast tool. And I was like, oh, crap. Hey, caught so, it. You caught it. So there anyway. Uh, but yeah, and then there was another guy who said solder instead of solder about the Tin Man. Tin yeah. So. Who knows? Anyway, we only have one more accent. chapter. We only have one more chapter of this Bozo reading. Um, yeah, well, I, I I do like how it is coming together in a good um, good news, happy ending kind of way. That makes yeah. me happy. So, yeah. uh, well, Foxfire read ahead of time, so she knows what happened. <laughs> ah, she knows. Good for you, Foxfire. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, my apologies to everyone. Uh, that's the first time I've done that in like years so. years years but, uh, uh, i remember back in the day yeah well let's let's uh day. get right back to the entertainment for the kids and get to ozma okay. of oz chapter 20 only one more chapter after this and then we wrap the book and we move on let's to something else do it let's so, do it here we go one more from mr bilma chapter 20 of ozma of oz this is a librivox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum Chapter 20 The Emerald City Dorothy decided to accept Ozma's invitation to return with her to the Land of Oz. There was no greater chance of her getting home from Ev than from Oz, and the little girl was anxious to see once more the country where she had encountered such wonderful adventures. By this time, Uncle Henry would have reached Australia in his ship and had probably given her up for lost. So he couldn't worry any more than he did if she stayed away from him for a little while longer. So she would go to Oz. They bade goodbye to the people of Ev, and the king promised Ozma that he would ever be grateful to her and render the land of Oz any service that might lie within his power. And then they approached the edge of the dangerous desert, and Ozma threw down the magic carpet, which at once unrolled far enough for all of them to walk upon it without being crowded. Tick-Tock 
claiming to be Dorothy's faithful follower because he belonged to her, had been permitted to join the party. And before they started, the girl wound up his machinery as far as possible. And the copper man stepped off as briskly as any one of them. Ozma also invited Bilna to visit the land of Oz, and the yellow hen was glad enough to go where new sights and scenes awaited her. They began the trip across the desert early in the morning, and as they stopped only long enough for Bilna to lay her daily egg, before sunset they espied the green slopes and wooded hills of the beautiful land of Oz. They entered it in the Munchkin territory, and the king of the Munchkins met them at the border and welcomed Ozma with great respect, being very pleased by her safe return. For Ozma of Oz ruled the king of the Munchkins, the king of the Winks, the king of the Quadlings, and the king of the Gulkins, just as those kings ruled their own people. And this supreme ruler of the land of Oz lived in a great town of her own called the Emerald City which was in the exact center of the four kingdoms of the land of Oz. The Munchkin King entertained them at his palace that night, and in the morning they set out for the Emerald City, traveling over a road of yellow brick that led straight to the jewel-studded gates. Everywhere the people turned out to greet their beloved Ozma, and to hail joyfully the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodman, and the Cowardly Lion, who were popular favorites. Dorothy, too, remembered some of the people who had befriended her on the occasion of her first visit to Oz, and they were well pleased to see the little Kansas girl again, and showered her with compliments and good wishes. At one place, where they stopped to refresh themselves, Ozma accepted a bowl of milk from the hands of a pretty dairymaid. Then she looked at the girl more closely and exclaimed, Why, it's Ginger, isn't it? Yes, Your Highness was the reply as Ginger dropped a low curtsy, and Dorothy, looking wonderingly at this lively-appearing person, who had once assembled an army of women to drive the Scarecrow from the throne of the Emerald City, and even fought a battle with the powerful army of Glinda the Sorceress. I've married a man who owns nine cows, said Ginger to Ozma. And now I am happy and contented, and willing to lead a quiet life and mind my own business. Where is your husband? asked Ozma. He is in the house, nursing a black eye, replied Ginger calmly. The foolish man would insist upon milking the red cow when I wanted him to milk the white one. But he will know better next time, I am sure. Then the party moved on again, and after crossing a broad river on a ferry and passing many fine farm houses that were dome-shaped and painted a pretty green color, they came in sight of a large building that was covered with flags and bunting. I don't remember that building, said Dorothy. What is it? That is the College of Art and Athletic Perfection, replied Ozma. I had built it quite recently, and the Wogglebug is its president. It keeps him busy, and the young men who attend the college are no worse off than they were before. You see, in this country... There are a number of youths who don't like to work, and the college is a perfect place for them. And now they came in sight of the Emerald City, and the people flocked out to greet their lovely ruler. There were several bands and many officers and officials of the realm, and a crowd of citizens in their holiday attire. 
Thus, the beautiful Ozma was escorted by a brilliant procession to her royal city, and so great was the cheering that she was obliged to constantly bow to the right and left to acknowledge the greetings of her subjects. That evening, there was a grand reception in the royal palace, attended by the most important persons of Oz, and Jack Pumpkinhead, who was a little overripe but still active, read an address congratulating Ozma of Oz upon the success of her generous mission to rescue the royal family of a neighboring kingdom. Then magnificent gold medals set with precious stones were presented to each of the twenty-six officers, and the tin woodman was given a new axe studded with diamonds, and the scarecrow received a silver jar of complexion powder. Dorothy was presented with a pretty cornet and made a princess of Oz, and Tick-Tock received two bracelets set with eight rows of very clear and sparkling emeralds. Afterward, they sat down to a splendid feast, and Ozma put Dorothy at her right and Bilna at her left, where the hen sat upon a golden roost and ate from a jeweled platter. Then were placed the scarecrow, the tin woodman, and Tick-Tock, with baskets of lovely flowers before them, because they did not require food. The twenty-six officers were at the lower end of the table, and the lion and the tiger also had seats and were served on golden platters that held half a bushel at one time. The wealthiest and most important citizens of the Emerald City were proud to wait upon these famous adventurers, and they were assisted by a sprightly little maid named Jellia Jam, whom the scarecrow pinched upon her rosy cheek and seemed to know very well. During the feast, Ozma grew thoughtful, and suddenly she asked, Where's the private? Oh, he is sweeping out the barracks, replied one of the generals who was busy eating a leg of turkey. But I have ordered him a dish of bread and molasses to eat when his work is done. Let him be sent for, said the girl ruler. While they waited for this command to be obeyed, she inquired, Have we any other privates in the armies? Oh, yes, replied the tin woodman. I believe there are three altogether. The private now entered, saluting his officers and the royal Ozma very respectfully. What is your name, my man? asked the girl. Omby Amby, answered the private. Then, Omby Amby, said she, I promote you to be Captain General of all the armies of my kingdom, and especially to be Commander of my bodyguard at the Royal Palace. It is very expensive to hold so many offices, said the private hesitatingly. I have no money with which to buy uniforms. You shall be supplied from the royal treasury, said Ozma. Then the private was given a seat at the table where the other officers welcomed him cordially, and the feasting and the merriment were resumed. Suddenly, Jelna Jam explained, there is nothing more to eat. The hungry tiger has consumed everything. But that's not the worst of it, declared the tiger mournfully. Somewhere or somehow, I've actually lost my appetite. End of chapter 20. Recording by Lyle Wilson. Haymarket, Virginia, August 2009.
He's lost his appetite. I, I thought he was going to go into more veiled threats. Yeah, I ate everything, but I'm still hungry. Hungry for babies. Let me tell you about how hungry I am for babies. Where are the babies? Scary. <laughs> Where are the babies? Yeah, Batman Tiger. Um, yeah. I'm not wearing hockey pads. He's a scary dude sometimes, man. I mean, I don't think he does anything bad, but he's kind of scary. Yeah, so... Anyway, yeah, um, uh, but that, uh, fortunately, I believe is the last of Mr. Bilma. And the final chapter is read by uh, somebody who uh, who looks at all Does... the letters in the words. <laughs> yeah. And maybe even listens to what other people have, how other people have pronounced the words themselves. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Ugh. So I know some people are, are, you know, not the biggest fan of these, but we started this. We got to finish it. You know, we, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't realize the guy in the beginning would uh, bail on us. So, you know, but uh, it's fun, you know, to listen to these LibriVox recordings. They're like 12, that, this is 12 years old. So, I love um, them. you know, go back and, and see what we've got. So, yeah. all right, uh, are we ready for the big big finale? A whole uh, whopping seven minutes. I'm ready with bated breath. Chapter 21. Chapter 21 of Ozma of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narration for this chapter is provided by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum Chapter 21 Dorothy's Magic Belt Dorothy passed several very happy weeks in the land of Oz as the guest of the royal Ozma, who delighted to please and interest the little Kansas girl. Many new acquaintances were formed and many old ones renewed, and wherever she went Dorothy found herself among friends. One day, however, as she sat in Ozma's private room, she noticed hanging upon the wall a picture which constantly changed in appearance, at one time showing a meadow, and at another time a forest, a lake, or a village. "'How curious!' she exclaimed, after watching the shifting scenes for a few moments. "'Yes,' said Ozma. "'That is really a wonderful invention in magic.' If I wish to see any part of the world or any person living, I need only express the wish, and it is shown in the picture. May I use it? asked Dorothy eagerly. Of course, my dear. Then I'd like to see the old Kansas farm and Aunt Em, said the girl. Instantly the well-remembered farmhouse appeared in the picture, and Aunt Em could be seen quite plainly. She was engaged in washing dishes by the kitchen window, and seemed quite well and contented. The hired men and the teams were in the harvest fields behind the house, and the corn and wheat seemed to the child to be in prime condition. On the side porch Dorothy's pet dog, Toto, was lying fast asleep in the sun, and to her surprise old Speckles was running around with a brood of twelve new chickens trailing after her. "'Oh, everything seems all right at home.' said Dorothy, with a sigh of relief. Now I wonder what Uncle Henry is doing. 
The scene in the picture at once shifted to Australia, where, in a pleasant room in Sydney, Uncle Henry was seated in an easy chair, solemnly smoking his briar pipe. He looked sad and lonely, and his hair was now quite white, and his hands and face thin and wasted. "'Oh!' cried Dorothy in an anxious voice. "'I'm sure Uncle Henry isn't getting any better, and it's because he is worried about me. Ozma, dear, I must go to him at once.' "'How can you?' asked Ozma. "'I don't know,' replied Dorothy. "'But let us go to Glinda the Good. I'm sure she will help me and advise me how to get to Uncle Henry.' Ozma readily agreed to this plan, and caused the sawhorse to be harnessed to a pretty green and pink phaeton, and the two girls rode away to visit the famous sorceress. Glinda received them graciously, and listened to Dorothy's story with attention. I have the magic belt, you know," said the little girl. If I buckled it around my waist and commanded it to take me to Uncle Henry, wouldn't it do it? I think so," replied Glinda with a smile. And then," continued Dorothy, if I ever wanted to come back here again, the belt would bring me. In that you are wrong," said the sorceress. The belt has magical powers only while it is in some fairy country, such as the land of Oz or the land of Ev. Indeed, my little friend, were you to wear it and wish yourself in Australia with your uncle, the wish would doubtless be fulfilled because it was made in fairyland. But you would not find the magic belt around you when you arrived at your destination. What would become of it? asked the girl. It would be lost as were your silver shoes when you visited Oz before, and no one would ever see it again. It seems too bad to destroy the use of the magic belt in that way, doesn't it?" Then, said Dorothy, after a moment's thought, I will give the magic belt to Ozma, for she can use it in her own country, and she can wish me transported to Uncle Henry without losing the belt. That is a wise plan, replied Glinda. So they rode back to the Emerald City, and on the way it was arranged that every Saturday morning Ozma would look at Dorothy in her magic picture, wherever the little girl might chance to be, and, if she saw Dorothy make a certain signal, then Ozma would know that the little Kansas girl wanted to revisit the land of Oz, and by means of the Gnome King's magic belt would wish that she might instantly return. This having been agreed upon, Dorothy bade good-bye to all her friends. Tick-Tock wanted to go to Australia, too, but Dorothy knew that the machine-man would never do for a servant in a civilized country, and the chances were that his machinery wouldn't work at all. So she left him in Ozma's care. Belina, on the contrary, preferred the land of Oz to any other country, and refused to accompany Dorothy. "'The bugs and ants that I find here are the finest flavored in the world,' declared the yellow hen and there are plenty of them. So here I shall end my days, and I must say, Dorothy, my dear, that you are very foolish to go back into that stupid humdrum world again." "'Uncle Henry needs me,' said Dorothy simply, and everyone except Belina thought it was right that she should go. All Dorothy's friends of the Land of Oz, both old and new, gathered in a group in front of the palace to bid her a sorrowful good-bye and to wish her long life and happiness. After much handshaking, Dorothy kissed Ozma once more, and then handed her the Gnome King's magic belt, saying, 
Now, dear princess, when I wave my handkerchief, please wish me with Uncle Henry. I'm awfully sorry to leave you, and the scarecrow, and the tin woodman, and the cowardly lion, and Tick-Tock, and—and everybody. But I do want my Uncle Henry. So good-bye, all of you. Then the little girl stood on one of the big emeralds which decorated the courtyard, and after looking once again at each of her friends, waved her handkerchief. "'No,' said Dorothy. "'I wasn't drowned at all, and I've come to nurse you and take care of you, Uncle Henry, and you must promise to get well as soon as possible.' Uncle Henry smiled and cuddled his little niece close in his lap. "'I'm better already, my darling,' said he. End of chapter 21 This is the end of Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Thank you for listening. That poor yeah, guy got one line in the end. Here I am, my darling. <laughs> what, what's that? It was the uncle. Wasn't it? Was oh. that the uncle? Yeah, like, I, I just... Are we to assume he got? she got home? She got, found him? Yeah, I guess that. I, I don't know. I never read the book. So. <laughs> uh, I just listened to it. On LibriVox. I know. So there you go. Um, I got a little distracted too, but, um, okay. yeah. So, uh, what'd you think? Uh, we, we got through it. That was, uh, and this is, uh, what is this? Our 10th episode? I think so. Yeah. So something yeah. along like that. Yeah. So yeah. Can't wait to see, uh, where, uh, uh, where kiddo landed in, in all this mess towards the end of the book. That's going to be fun. So uh yeah um well i'll tell you what we uh, uh overall though Suze, you know there were some pretty good readers of the of the story and you know uh, lots of fun fun memorable stuff um you know everybody being turned into ornaments and changed back and uh the rescue of royalty and the gnome king acting unawful I'm a jackass. I'm the gnome king. Yeah. And then him being thrown eggs at. That's awesome. Yeah. So, poison eggs. So, uh, but nah, that, uh, you know, we're, uh, we, we got through it. Excellent. Yeah. Yep, that's the second book of all. The, we made it through... We didn't do uh, the Wizard of Oz, but the Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz. Yeah. We've done both of those. Oh, oh kiddo, kiddo teaser. teaser. Yeah, you know? there he is, munching on somebody. Well, uh, uh, she said uh, um, she did end up on. Uh, uh, Foxfire said she did end up in Australia, but won't stay there. Okay. Well, yeah, they'll go so. wherever. She'll go all over. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, anyway, Susan, your general thoughts, you're the Oz fan, before we roll along? Just, I, I like it, I, it's a big fan, it always works out well, the, the royal family of Ev was, uh, what is it called? They were saved, so that's good. Good, um, they're, uh, 
ally to the north of Oz, and Ozma's back home, you know? Dorothy's back home. All's well that ends well, and that's what I like about those stories. Yeah. Is, uh, it's, it's not... Nothing too bad happens. It's nice like that. Yeah. But cool. uh, the next one is uh, Dorothy and the Wizard. In yeah, so this was the third book. So. Foxfire points out. Yeah, yeah, we just didn't do wonderful Wizard of Oz. Uh, we we went straight into uh, the marvelous land of Oz, and then we yeah, just the marvelous went. land, and then Ozma. Yeah, so yep. we'll probably start on the fourth book uh, next week, unless we change our minds. Yeah, so you got it. All right. Um, anything else you want to add, or should we just get to Wormwood Forest? Uh, Wormwood Forest, let's go. Let's jump right. on. This is, I believe, the ninth installment of Wormwood Forest. Oh boy, another day in Wormwood Forest. Hello, boys and girls. Once again, it's time for another visit with our friends down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, don't run away. Listen a while, you'll want to stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Hello, everybody. This is Dippy Dwarf. Today we go to the big amateur show, and even the pig is rooting for Frankie Frog. So don't leave your radio, listen to our animal show. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Horus, what's making all that racket, Dippy Dwarf? Oh, good morning, barbecue pig. The noise? Oh, they're just moving the piano up to the frog's room. And what does that frog need with a piano? He wants to practice singing for the big amateur show tonight. I must say, I'll be glad when my new hotel is completed so I can move out of this noisy dwarf Waldo. I'd hate to see you leave, Pete. I should think you would. I'm the only one in this hotel who pays the bill on time. Or even pays. I do hope Frankie doesn't make too much noise with his practicing pee. I'm not going to stay here and find out. I'm going across the road and see about the building. Well, so long, barbecue pig. As they say in the reducing salons, avenue poise. She's a good pig, but awfully finicky about noise. I personally think it's a good idea for Frankie to practice singing for the contest. Hmm, lots of mail here to answer. I'd better call my secretary. Oh, Tallulah Tobacco Worm! What is it, Dippy Dwarf? Uh, I'd like to give you some dictation, Tobacco Worm. I'm just the Tobacco Worm who can take it. Dictation, that is. Hey, by the way, Tallulah, are you going to the amateur show tonight? Gerald Grasshopper is taking me. You don't say, Gerald, eh? Oh, yes. With grasshoppers who know Tobacco Worm's best, it's Tallulah. Two to one. There you are, foggy boy. The piano's now in your room. Yeah, gee, thanks, Gerald Grasshopper. Couldn't have moved it without your help. Up all of the day's work, Frankie boy. Well, guess I'd better start practicing for the amateur show tonight. Oh, you got to sing? Yeah, sure. Let me see. Should I sing Grand Opera? They're like this. Ridi Pagliaccio. Hey, frog. Hey, frog, boy. Frog. Careful, you'll split a topsail. Yeah. Or should I get real jumpy like this? A flat foot flutey with a... That's enough, boy. That's enough. 
Why don't you try a song like this one? Uh, what's that? It's a new one, hot off the music stand at Strauss and Mouse's. Uh, can you play it, Grasshopper? Almost as good as Strauss and Mouse itself. Get a load of this. Now, sing along with me, kid. With a hey and a hi and a ho, ho, ho. You start off the day with a glow, ho, ho. Sing all the way as the way you go with a hey and a hi and a ho, ho, ho. Hey, Jeeper, someone's at the door. Now, maybe it's the pig come to tell me I'm disturbing her. I think maybe you better open the door and see, Frog. Honest pig, I didn't mean to make no... Ooh. <laughs> Hiya, kitty. Frankie Frog, I'm not the pig. <laughs> so I can see. You're much prettier. Do you really think so? You bet. You're gorgeous. You're fluffy. You're furry. Sweet words won't make me forget why I came up here. Uh, why did you come up here, kitty baby? It's about your singing. Oh, did you hear me practicing? I most certainly did. Uh, great, wasn't I? No. You're not singing like you're supposed to sing, Frankie. I'm not? No. Remember, you're supposed to be the velvet frog with the voice as smooth as butterscotch satin. Gee, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, General Grasshopper. Oh, yeah, Frog. A kitty here says I've got to sing in a different way. Well, hello, kitty child. Hello, Gerald. I want Frankie to be the velvet frog. <laughs> With a voice as smooth as a sandpaper sandwich. That's not what I said. Oh, well, <laughs> you get the idea, don't you, Gerald? Maybe, boy. I'll slow down the tub hole. Now, sing to me, velvet frog. Uh, like this? I'm just a velvet frog. With a voice as soft as cotton When I croon in my velvet way All the others are forgotten Oh, Frankie, row. If you sing like that tonight You'll win the amateur contest Hey, Kitty, where are you going? To borrow a blue ribbon from Susie Stunk Well, what do you need with a blue ribbon? If you're going to be a prize-winning frog I want to be a blue ribbon kitty <laughs> Badger residence. I do hope Susie Skunk has a blue ribbon to lend me. If you're working your way through law school by sudden briefs, I don't... Oh, hello, Kitty. Hello, Susie Skunk. Won't you come in quickly, Kitty? Certainly. Well, why the rush? I've got to hurry back to my radio. It's time for my favorite soap opera. Which one is it today, Sue? I'll turn on my radio and you'll see. Uh, pardon me, Niles. This is the Pine Tree Broadcasting Company. Slush, the soapless washing powder, brings you Sadie Snake, Girl Reptile. The story of one snake's struggle for happiness, her fight to crawl on her own. Today, we find Sadie Snake talking to just plain gruesome, the snake doctor. Oh, Doctor, I can't go on this way. You must go on, Sadie Snake. But, Doctor, my life is so full of sorrow, hardships, troubles, snakes. Sadie, you must shed your troubles as a snake sheds its skin. Then you will find true happiness. Smile, Snake. Smile. Here, take these purple pills. Oh, Doctor, you've given me new courage. You've given me strength to... Oh, Doctor, you've given me poison. 
Has the snake doctor really given Sadie poison? Will Sadie recover? Will the lizard next door run away with the mushrooms? Learn the answer to these fascinating questions when next we join Sadie Snake, Girl Reptile. This true-to-life story is written by Frank and Ann Humbug. Turn off the radio. There. Kitty, don't you find the radio a great comfort in times of need? If you call getting poison the comfort, but there is something I need. Can I help you fill the need? I hope so. I need a blue ribbon. Have you ever tried entering a cat show? No. I want a plain blue satin ribbon to tie around my lovely silken neck. I'm sure I have a ribbon somewhere. Perhaps in my purse. Is your purse under the scatter rug? Oh, no, it's in the bathtub. Your purse in the bathtub? Well, someone said it looked in need of a bath. Oh, here it is. It's a bit damp, but full. See if there's a blue ribbon in it. Yes, ma'am. Hmm, a jar of prickly pear pickles, a piece of coarse sandpaper, a molasses sandwich, a portable mugwump. What's a mugwump? That's a good question. Oh, my salad forks. A magnifying glass bag of brown sugar, a cold waffle. Ooh. Oh, here's a ribbon. But that's a green ribbon. Well, I'm sorry, but the only other ribbon in my purse is a typewriter ribbon. That would never do. I'd get ink on my fur. Gracious, someone's at the door. I'm coming. If you're selling corn fritters, I don't... Oh, hello, dumb gluck, my woodchucky. Well, hello, sweetie Susie Skunky. You're just in time, Chucky. In time for what? You can take Kitty down to the village to get a blue ribbon. If anyone gets a blue ribbon, I think you should have it, Susie. But why I? Well, you are my prize package. <laughs> You're so sweet, Chucky. Oh, Kitty! Yes? My woodchucky will drive you down to the village to get your ribbon. Good, then I won't be late for the amateur show. We made it just in time, Frankie. Gosh, Kitty, you sure do look pretty in that blue ribbon. Well, I had enough trouble getting it. Gee, that's a big crowd here tonight. I suppose I should go on backstage? Well, the other contestants are backstage. But I'll applaud for you, Dream Frog. Gee, thanks, Kitty Baby. I'd better hop backstage. Uh, hiya, Grandpa Fox. Well, howdy, son. Reckon you're going to sing tonight. Uh, you bet your fox fur I am. So is one of my hens from a poultry farm. Uh, you don't say. Yep, do say. A hen right a hen. Oh, yes, Grandpa Fox. You're in good voice tonight, daughter. Of course. I'm in fine feathers. Listen. Mighty pretty. Frog, you might as well go on home without singing. My hen here is going to win this amateur show. No, don't be too sure. Uh, where are the judges? Uh, Timothy Turtle's won. Reckon he's asleep over there in the corner. Well, he won't be for long. Hey, Tim, wake up. Oh, me, sound asleep as usual. Guess I'll have to tap him with this doorknob, which I happen to have in my vest pocket. Oh, Turtle, yeah. wake up. Is it morning? Open your eyes. It's time for you to help judge the amateur show. Oh, I'd hoped I could sleep through it. But no such luck, I guess. Look, hey, you're lucky to hear me sing tonight in my new style. Wish I could hear you in my old style. Yeah. Uh, what's your old style? Sound asleep. <laughs> you know, I do you get... Uh-oh, you're one of the judges. I'd better not antagonize you. Will the judge 
judges please take their places at the table on the stage? I guess so. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're giving the amateur performers of Wormwood a chance to show what they can do. Uh, what are the prizes, Pig? The winner will be given the opportunity of singing at the opening of my new hotel next week. Oh boy, that's for me. Now our first contestant is Miss Henrietta Hen, who will sing an area entitled... They feed the chicken nest pot. Fortissimo. I'm just a velvet frog with a voice as smooth as butter. I croon in my velvet way and set all the hearts of flutter. I can't yodel, yodely lady or sing bebop, bebop, bebop. But when I croon, boo, 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 all the hearts go flip, flop, flip, flop, flip. I'm just a velvet frog with a voice as soft as cotton. When I croon in my velvet way, all the others are forgotten. And now our next perform... Horrors! Where are the other performers? Barbecue Pig! What is it, Susan Skunk? A pigeon just handed me this message for you. Thank you, my dear. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the other amateurs can't be here tonight. They're stuck in the mud over at Bone Dry Creek. Hey, hey, pig, who wins? Quiet, please, folks. In view of this situation, I think it's unfair to select a winner. Yeah, but, but, but I'm good. And I say beautifully. Please, I'll do the big thing as usual. I'll engage both of you to sing at my hotel opening next week. Uh, both of us. A duet? <laughs> Is this decision satisfactory to the judges? Uh, oh, oh, guess I must have fallen asleep, Peg. I said, do you mind if I let the frog and the hen sing a duet at my hotel opening? Oh, gosh, no, Pig. In fact, that's a smart idea, having a green frog. What does the color green have to do with it? Why, sure, in Bogora, he'll be just right for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> it's my bet that a duet between the hen and the green frog will come through with flying colors down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, that's all today. We're so glad that you could stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Fathers. And next time the pig opens a new hotel after she visits her psychiatrist. Till then, this is Dippy Dwarf saying so long. Wormwood Forest, written by Tom Titchener, has come to you from WSM in Nashville. And now for a brief word. Well, this is NBC. Mm -hmm.
There we NBC. go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is, that was fun. A little talent show in there. Uh, some yeah, awful yeah. chicken singing. Belina might have liked that. It's Bilna. <laughs> so, wow, that chicken. They were going for laid. the hen and frog next. That chicken just laid instant so. chicks. Mm-hmm. Live birth chicken. Um, but no, that so that was fun, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I'm I'm liking the characters. Sadly, the series is not that long. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to do some research on it. I don't know if these are just like the amount of episodes that survived, or it just got canned, or you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Which it would be surpri- It's surprising because you know it seemed to have the support of Walt Disney. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, there could be some interesting, uh, could be creative differences too, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, and then the, the, the skunk was watching her, uh, soap operas and somebody got poisoned. So, <laughs> so there's some kind of, uh, you know, there's a little bit of that, uh, you know, Warner brothers, uh, or, you know, Looney Tunes kind of adult humor going on here and there in this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, kind of neat. So. Yeah, well, that's what I, I just was curious about the name. I really liked the description, but I'd never heard of it before, you know? Sure. So, uh, but yeah, so there we go. I believe that was episode nine. And uh, But, uh, as I mentioned, when we weren't on the air before, my apologies once again, uh, we do uh, have, I believe we're f- closing out the first story arc on Jerry of the Circus, with episodes 13 and 14. So uh, there is more Jerry of the Circus, of course. But mm-hmm. I think, uh, from judging by the titles, which I don't want to give because they're a little spoilery, it looks like the uh, the first story arc concludes tonight. And we'll get to that after the break. Um, cool. But uh, I'm looking forward. Hopefully we get a kiddo drop after the break so I can start coloring away during Jerry. And, um, but yeah, the, uh, 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 well, I saved, I still have, uh, uh, the five minute mystery that we didn't play loaded in from last week. If we want to hear that on the break, I can run that. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, uh, this is called, uh, death calls at dinner. <laughs> Uh, We'll be right back after our five-minute mystery. Another five-minute mystery. anniversary party is going on at the Brown household around the corner. One of the guests, George Taylor, pauses while eating his dessert to say, Mmm, best lemon chiffon pie I've ever tasted, Mary. I wish my wife could do as well. Say, it doesn't look as if Sam is appreciating it much, though. Goodness, dear, is my cooking that bad? Sam, your head's practically in your plate. I guess it's falling asleep, everyone. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's all right. Sam, Sam, sit up. Oh, dreadful. I'd, I'd better shake him. Sam. Sam! Great Conti, he's dead. 
do you do? I'm Sergeant Barker, the homicide division. Oh. He's one of my boys, Mike Grady. Where's the body? In the dining room at the table. We didn't move him. Mm-hmm. I uh, might as well be comfortable, everybody. This will take just a little while. Mm. Dead, all right. Peaceful, too. Uh, who's Mrs. Sam Brown? I am. And do you mind telling me what happened? I guess not, but I'm so shocked I, I don't know where to begin or what to tell you. Well, you might as well begin by telling me what you served for dinner. Well, we had soup first. Soup? What kind? Mushroom, then roast chicken, green peas, mashed potatoes, certain coffee. But I, I don't see how this could mean anything. Yeah, just routine, Mrs. Brown. Did Mr. Brown eat everything? Yes, he did. He seemed to fall asleep over his coffee. Mm-hmm. And when I tried to wake him, I, I found he'd had a heart attack. Yeah. That'll be all for a few minutes, Mrs. Brown. We want to take a look around. Uh, notice anything about this table, Mike? No, Chief, I can't say as I do. Yeah, neither do I. Let's uh, look in this kitchen here. Yeah, an orderly person, isn't she? Stack the dishes after each course. Yes, and here's the silverware over here. Mm. Ah, look, look, Chief. One of these soup spoons has turned black. Black? Let me see it. And the only spoon that's tarnished, too. Well, I was beginning to think it was a heart attack or a perfect murder, but this silver soup spoon is evidence enough. Uh, Mrs. Brown? Yes, Sergeant Parker? I'm sorry to interrupt your little party, Mrs. Brown, but I'm sure your guests won't mind. I, I don't understand. You will, Mrs. Brown, you will. You see, you're under arrest for the murder of your husband. Do you know why Sergeant Barker accused Mrs. Brown of murder? In a moment, we'll hear the solution. But first, a word from our sponsor. do you know it was homicide? Well, Mrs. Brown took careful pains to wash the soup pans and soup dishes before she served the rest of the meal. Yes, I, I can see that. But she forgot one thing, to wash the silver soup spoons. What she didn't realize was that an hour later, by the end of dinner, the spoon her husband had used to eat his toadstool soup would give her away. She didn't know that toadstools make silver turn black. Mrs. Brown almost committed the perfect murder, but she forgot to wash one spoon. <laughs> Back from break. Toadstools. Hmm. 
LBMs, Ken. Yep. Little brown mushrooms. What right? she didn't know is that toadstools turn silver black, and she forgot to wash one spoon. Yeah. Almost uh, the perfect murder. We never would have figured that out from toxicology. Well, yeah, you know, mushrooms and, you know, and also weeds. Uh, the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Uh, crime does not pay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, you sure like using that, uh... Uh, like big butts or never trust a big butt and a smile what yeah because it's from poison poison oh never trust a big butt and a smile that girl is poison no wow you're it doesn't go through your head you're lucky yeah i now know I started po it. poison by alice cooper is a great song mm, poison I'll work running on that. through my veins yeah uh that's quite a mushroom Michelle just posted in the chat. Wow. Ooh. Oh, I was looking at yours. Oh, boy. It's a Mine's problem. a little more psychedelic. Hers is a little more... Psychophallic. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. Good job. Yeah. So, anyway, here we are back uh, for hour two. You got the, it. I believe our 10th episode. Yes. Uh, we'll find out when I upload the podcast because they're all numbered over there on our playlist on SoundCloud. Just can search for Radio for Humans SoundCloud and you can find uh, this and it came from Cleveland and all the archived shows crap from the past. That's wildly different than what we do now. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so, oh, kiddo is coming. I can't wait. No way. Kiddo is, uh, we're getting the kiddo drop. So this will be good. I'm excited about that, but I am excited about the kiddo musings of cute kiddo eggs. Would they be Easter eggs? Like, oh. just big Easter eggs if kiddo laid eggs? I don't know. I don't know. But that's not so. this one, but this could be fun. Kiddo is coming for Oh, kiddo. And uh, as soon as we see kiddo arrive... Wild parsley. <laughs> we will... So funny. Oh, here he is. There he is. Snacks. The hungry tiger oh. finally loses his appetite because kiddo gave him all his snacks. Oh, that's sweet. Very nice. Kiddo. Crunchy Frog that's is back, very... too. <laughs> There's a what? A crunchy frog? Yeah, crunchy, crunchy frog is one of the uh, snacks. Uh, wow, yeah, you're snacks. right. So, very Aww. nice. All right, well, I'll tell you what. I'll get to work here on mm -hmm. uh, on the, col the my color job, and uh, we'll go ahead and listen to what I believe is the uh, last two episodes, uh, 13 and 14, of the first story arc. Of Jerry of the Circus. So here we go. Excellent. Uncut circus music too. Uncircusized. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should talk through the circusized music. Well, I can't because I gotta talking. start coloring. I'll let you talk in the end. Okay. Here we go. Jerry of the Circus. 
now for Jerry of the Circus. Oh, Mr. Randall. Oh, yes, yes. He's conscious now, and the doctor says you can see him for a few minutes. Right this way, please. Yeah, thank you. You say his name is Decker? Yeah, that's what he called himself while he was working for me. Uh, say, Miss Ellison, do you think I'd better have the police send someone over here yet? Oh, no, I hardly think so, Mr. Randall. He can't possibly be moved for some time yet. Is there any danger of Decker not pulling through? The doctor wasn't so sure yesterday. Well, I think it's safe to say he'll recover all right. Here we are. Well, how's the patient feeling now? Better, thanks. Good. I've got a visitor for you. Visitor? Come right in, Mr. Randall. Hello there, Decker. Huh? Don't you know me? I can't say as I do. Oh, come on now. This is no way to get out of things, Decker. What do you mean? Anna, don't be ridiculous. You know well enough that Just you... a minute, Mr. Randall. The patient only regained consciousness a short time ago. He claims to be... What did you say your name was? Dugan. Daniel Dugan. Dugan? Those people wouldn't let me talk. Said I must be quiet for a while. How can I be when they say I'm out west and only last night I was in Baltimore? Baltimore? What I can't figure out is what happened. You mind if we talk, Miss Ellison? Oh, certainly not, but I'll have to stay in the room. That's perfectly all right. Now, look here, Decker. I mean, Dugan. You claim you were in Baltimore last night? I can't figure out what happened. I remember turning the cargo over to the zoo official. Cargo? What cargo? That shipment I brought up from South America. What are you talking about? Oh, I got a marvelous collection of birds this trip. I never saw such parrots as we found in the interior. The only unusual animal was a black panther... And did we have a time bagging that baby? Yeah. What's the uh, last thing you remember? I remember turning the shipment over to the authorities. Then I got my check. I had to go back to the waterfront to check with the captain of the boat about... Funny, I, I don't believe I even got to him. You uh, don't know what happened to you? The way I feel, I, I'm, I must have been run over by a trolley car. You're sure you don't know me? Can't say as I do. What is your name? Randall. Randall? Hmm. The name's familiar. Oh, I know. Sure. My brother used to work for a man called Randall. You any relation to the fellow who owns the Randall Brothers Circus? The relationship is pretty close. I happen to own that circus. No. You don't say. Have you heard from Tim Dugan lately? Last I heard of him, he'd gone out west. Mr. Randall? Uh, yes, I'm afraid we'll have to let the patient rest now. Oh, but... Uh, but please, I... please, nurse. Just another few minutes. I'm sorry. Doctor's orders. You'll come back, Randall. Please do. Something's happened. I, I, I've got to get it straightened out. I, I don't seem to know anyone around here. I... I'll be back. All right, Miss Ellison, I'm ready. Now, get a little rest. And if you want anything, ring this bell. Well... What do you think? No, I don't know what to think. This man is really Daniel Dugan, or... He obviously doesn't know yet what's happened to him. What does the doctor say? Either the man is unbelievably clever, or he's actually suffering from amnesia. Amnesia? Loss of memory. That would explain it. But why should he think he's someone else? Someone I know of? I thought when people lose their memory, they, they just forget who they are. Well, that's right. But this man's pretending to be someone else. Well, isn't it possible that he might have been suffering from amnesia before this accident? You mean, uh, as Decker? He didn't know anything about his past? That's it. 
And this accident has taken him back to what happened before he became Decker. In that case, he, he wouldn't remember any of his life as Decker. That's it exactly. Oh, well, I think I'd better talk to the doctor. Well, I'll take you downstairs, then. Here's the elevator. Main floor, please. The doctor is busy, but if you'll wait, I'll send him to you as soon as he finished his round. Thank you. You've been very kind. Oh, not at all. Main floor. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll leave you here. I'll be in the waiting room. Thank you. Oh, but now, listen, young lady. We've just got to see uh, this. Bumps and Jerry. Well, what on earth are you two doing around here? Well, hello, sir. We didn't expect to run into you. Hello there, Mr. Randall. Hello, son. Well, we thought we'd like to see Decker. Is he conscious yet? Uh, he's conscious. Gee, Mr. Randall, you, you said that kind of funny. Has anything happened? He's going to get well, isn't he? Uh, he'll get well. Uh, what's up, Randall? He doesn't seem to know who he is. You mean... He didn't know me, and he doesn't even seem to know who Decker is. Does does he? Well, can he talk at all? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I guess he's in pretty much pain, though. Is he? Oh, gee, Mr. Randall, tell me about him. Is he my uncle? Your uncle? What on earth makes you ask that, Jerry? Well, I... Well, we... Yesterday, Bumps and me, we came down here, and the doctor had just taken off his bandage, and... He was unconscious, didn't know us, but but when we saw him, you know, without the bandage, he looked like my uncle. Gee, I don't know what to think. I, I'm most crazy, I guess. Yeah, that's true, Sam. The boy's hardly slept all night. I, I thought he'd never get through with his work this morning. Why, he got so upset. I... Yeah, but, uh, but what made you think? What made you be so sure it was your uncle? This picture. See? Patsy's father sent it to me. Dad used to have one like this of Uncle Dan. I, I remember it all right. Hmm. And it looks like Decker, all right, without his beard. You see, it's just got to be him. Oh, gee, Mr. Randall. Well, I, I guess I'd better tell you, too, what's happened. Well, it's nothing serious, I hope. No, so. no, I I saw him right after he regained consciousness. He did? Uh, he didn't know me, though he'd heard of me. He claimed his name is Daniel Dugan. I knew it. I, I knew it. Danny Dugan. But... But how could he have been Decker so long and, and not know anything about it? Well, I understand that after a person has had... Uh, uh, what's the right word for uh, that? Amnesia. Yeah, that's it, amnesia. I understand that when they once get back their memory, they forget everything that's happened in between. Yeah, I'm waiting to talk to the doctor now, but I think you're right, Bumps. Gee, then you couldn't hold a person responsible for anything they did that was wrong if they didn't know what they were doing, could you? Well, I... Uh... Well, now, you just stop worrying, Jerry. You know Mr. Randall will do everything he can that's fair. Yes, I, I know, but... Oh, well, uh, I... I'll tell you what I will do, Jerry. I'm going to call the police station and see if they've gotten hold of Lorenz yet. We'll do everything we can to catch that man. He may know more about Danny Dugan than we think. Well, anyway, the money wasn't on Decker. Uh, I mean, Dugan. So it goes to show Lorenz was the real thief. He sure was. I just know my uncle didn't want to do such a thing. You think Lorenz could have hypnotized him or something? Well, hardly, but he may have had some way of forcing Decker, your uncle, to do what he wanted. You know, Bumps and I said we thought Decker was kind of afraid of Lorenz. Mm. Well, if you two will excuse me, I'll make that phone call. We've got to get Lorenz now. I'll be back in a minute. I just know my uncle isn't a criminal. Yeah, now don't you worry, Jerry. When they get Lorenz, we'll learn how all this happened. Yeah, you'll see. Are you the two gentlemen that are waiting to see... Mr. Dugan? Yes. Can we see him now? If you'll come upstairs with me. The doctor says you may go in for just about five minutes. Gee. Uh, Mr. Randall was with us. He just went to make a phone call. That's all right. I'm sending the doctor right down to him. I'll have him tell Mr. Randall where you are. Well, thank you. Thank you, nurse. Uh, do we take the elevator? Yes. Step right in. Third floor, please. 
Is Mr. Dugan going to be sick long? He's had a pretty bad accident. He'll be up and around in about a month. A whole month in bed? Well, that's not so long after being almost killed. Third floor. Here we are. First door on the left. Now, try not to get the patient excited. Can I go right in? Oh, yes, of course. Hello there, Mr. Dugan. Well, you're pretty popular this morning. I've got a couple of more visitors. Hello. Hello. With, uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm Bumps with the Randall Brothers Circus. Bumps. Bumps. Of course. Sure, I saw you when you and Tim were... Sure thing. I... Gee, I'm glad to see an old friend. Your boy? No, no, Danny. Uh, this is Jerry. Jerry? Uh, Tim's boy. No. No, I, I can't believe it. I'm Jerry Dugan, all right. What is this? Tim's boy's only a baby. What are you telling me? This is a poor kind of a joke to play on a sick man. We're not playing a joke. Well, Danny, you think you're feeling well enough to, to talk? For heaven's sakes, tell me what this is all about. Well, no, 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 just take it easy. <clears throat> well, you see, uh, you've evidently lost your memory for some time. I've been sick, you mean? For a long, long time, I guess. Uh, much longer than you realize. For heaven's sakes, man. Tell me, what has happened? Well, we don't quite know, but it's been years now. I can't believe it. Years. Years dropped right out of my life. I I haven't just come back from South America? No, I'm afraid not, Dugan. But where have I been? Not in a hospital all this time. No. Golly, it, it must seem funny. Come here, son. You say you're Jerry Dugan? Yes, sir. Are you with the circus, too? I sure am. So your dad's back in the circus business. Funny thing... I thought he'd given it up. Well, no, Dad's not... Uh, well, Jerry, no, never mind now. I, I think Dugan's had quite enough for one day. What do you mean? What is it? You'd better finish as long as you've gone that far. Well... Out with it, boy. What is it? Dad died just a few weeks ago. No. Died. Tim, I... Now, now uh, just take it easy, old man. And this is his boy, Jerry. I'd begun to think I never would find you, Uncle Dan. So, you're working with the circus. Well, son, as soon as I get on my feet, I'm going to take care of you. I'm sorry, but you've already been here more than five minutes. Oh, uh, yeah, yes, of course, nurse. Well, we'll go. How long do you play in this town? Oh, another couple of days, or we'll be back. Tomorrow? You bet. And can I bring rags? Who's rags? Mm my dog. Oh, of course. Your dog. Hmm. No wonder I... I don't know about your dog. Or you, or... Or Tim. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Uncle Dan. Tell a guy in the hospital his brother just died. Jeez. Awkward. Well, what are you gonna do? He found his uncle, though. He made him say he he totally took him and said, "Tell me you're my uncle. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it." And he did it. He said, "I am your uncle." Yeah. Okay. So. So it turns out Decker all along was 
well, I guess we'll get the full story in the end, but Decker was Jerry's Uncle Danny. Yeah, Dan. So, yeah. So, yeah, Decker, so Dan, whatever. We're going to get this straight. Sure. We got it straight. Yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the old mistaken identity, very soap opera-like as well, you know. Totally. Totally. You know. So, uh, but no, so this is fun. And again, like I said, I think this is going to bring this arc to a close. Uh, yeah. But we will see. Wow, they, they just love that circus music, man. Yeah, they do. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to talk right over it. So, we've got one episode of uh, Jerry and the Circus. Are you going to do another one? Uh, no, yeah, we have one more. Yeah. Okay, like, 822. Okay. Yeah, we cool. have one more, and then we have, uh, uh, oops. Oh, it's, it ended. So. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 I'll sing to you. Yeah, don't no, worry. that's fine. You don't have to do that. Um, then <laughs> I'm just trying to multitask here. Um, it, but, uh, and then there's an episode of Popeye. Uh, so it looks like we should have cool. room, room for everything. So, uh, are you ready to get back into it? I'm into it. All right, Jerry the Circus. Let's see if this is truly the end of the story arc of the mystery of Decker and Jerry's Uncle Danny. Jerry of the Circus. Jerry of the Circus. Well, Jerry, what are you doing here in the pad room? You've been right here in the same spot since the show started. Oh, I, I thought I'd watch the show while I'm waiting for bumps. I see. Golly, Jason, your act was sure swell today. Well, I'm glad you like it. But that remark would lead me to believe that my act wasn't always swell. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I, I mean, it seemed more exciting. <laughs> I know what you mean, Jerry. And you're right. Sometimes the cats are a little more unruly and act up and roar more. And then I have to work harder and it puts on a lot more thrill in the show. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Sure you did. But you didn't tell me why you were waiting for bumps. You two got a business deal on? Uh-huh. We're going to go back over to the hospital to see my Uncle Dan. Oh, so that's it. 
I'm glad you found your uncle. I can guess how you felt when you found that Decker was Dan Dugan. Yeah. Gee, isn't it funny? There I was in the wagon with him all the time, and I didn't even know Decker was my uncle. It's funny, too, that he didn't recognize the name Dugan. Sure must be awful to lose your memory like that. Uh-huh. And now he doesn't remember a thing about ever being with the circus. The last thing he remembers is years ago when he got back from a trip to South America. Well, that's the way it is with amnesia. It's a bad sickness, Jerry. I sure hope I never get it. Well, you just have to watch your step. You know, it's usually caused by a blow in the head or a fall. And that's the only way you can get over it, too, huh? Well, as a rule, it takes another blow in the head to bring back the memory. Well, that's most likely what happened to your uncle. When he fell off the train, although the fall made him unconscious, the bump was great enough to bring his mind around okay. Look, here comes Mr. Randall. Mm, and in a hurry, too. Say, uh, Jason, uh, it's you with your act yet? Why, yes, just came off a minute ago. What's the trouble, Mr. Randall? Oh, hello, Jerry. Hello, Mr. Randall. Well, I, I just got a phone call from the chief of detectives, and they've got Lorenz. What? Uh, they picked him up a little in a little town about 100 miles from here early this morning, and they brought him here by airplane. Oh, golly, that's... Well, I mean... Well, maybe now we can get the whole story and Decker... I mean, Uncle Dan won't be to blame for the robbery. Uh, let's hope so, Jerry. Jason, I, I've got to go right down to the police station. You want to come along? You bet I do. I want to come too, Mr. Randall. Oh, no, Jerry. You stay in the lot. Uh, Jason will tell you all about it when he gets back. But, Mr. Randall, I... Well, I don't want my Uncle Dan to take the blame. Golly, I, I just found him and now I... Can't we take him along? He won't be in the way. Well, I guess you are a little concerned now that Decker is your Uncle Dan. All right. Come along, Jerry, but let's hurry. Oh, thanks, Mr. Randall. I guess I'd better change out of this uniform. It'll only take a minute. No, never mind that, Jason. You can come the way you are. Nobody will see you. We'll take a cab. Uh, there's usually one at the main gate. What did the policeman say about Lorenz? Well, I didn't get much over the phone, but it, it seems that Lorenz was buying a new suit of clothes in a little clothing store. And when he uh, went to pay for the suit, he flashed a big roll of bills and the clerk grew suspicious. Well, that clerk was mighty alert, all right. Mm. And it seems Lorenz wanted to wear the new suit, and while he was changing, the uh, clerk called the police and then nabbed him. Uh, there's a taxi, Jason. A taxi? Taxi! Yeah. Oh, okay. He got the signal. Well, I hope that police station isn't far. Taxi? Uh, police headquarters driver, Central Station. Yes. Dugan, Captain. Oh, hello, young man. Hello. Won't you sit down? Oh, Thank you. Thanks. Huh. Did you get any more information out of Lorenz? No, I didn't, Mr. Randall. I thought I'd wait until you got here to question him further. Hey, excuse me, I'll send for him now. Uh, have that man Lorenz in the felony ward sent into my office. Yeah, I hope we can get something out of him. Uh, I think we will, Mr. Randall. We have a couple of methods that seem to work out quite well. Mm. I hope we can get a full confession from Lorenz and some kind of a statement that will clear Decker, or rather, Dan Dugan. Uh, this boy Jerry here is his nephew, and, well, he thinks pretty much of his uncle and doesn't like the idea of having him connected with this robbery. Mm, pretty loyal, aren't you, son? Uncle Dan is my only relative, and we've been looking for him for so long, and... Oh, now... I see. You uh, you didn't know he was your uncle while he was working in the circus with you, huh? No, sir. I, I just found out when we went to the hospital. Uh-huh. Here's Lorenz, Captain. Oh, fine. Uh, stay right here with him, will you, Fred? All right, sit down, Lorenz. Well, Lorenz, 
Looks like you got yourself in a pretty fine mess. Well, it is my affair. What is it to you? You got your money back, didn't you? Ah, now, Lorenz, that attitude isn't going to get you anywhere. Mr. Randall wants to ask you some questions. If you're smart, you'll answer them. Well, I am not smart, and I wouldn't be here now. So I won't answer any questions. Now, see here, Lorenz. We have several ways of making you talk. May not be so pleasant. We have to resort to them. Now, let's be sensible. You're already guilty of the robbery, and you're going to have to pay your debt to society. But if you cooperate a little, you'll find that the law is very fair. What do you want to know? You've got me. What else? Well, I'd like to know where you first met Decker. What has that got to do with me? Now, listen, Lorenz. All right. I picked him up in a little restaurant about five years ago. Well, he, uh, he planned the robbery, didn't he? Uh, he planned nothing. How could he plan? He is crazy. Was he crazy when you met him? Yes. Where is he now? I don't know. He got on the train when you did, didn't he? No. He did, too. Well, well yes, he did. And where did he get off? He jumped off. We had a fight. You and... knocked him off. No, no. He wanted half of the money and you had a fight about it. No, he did not want any of the money. What? He wanted to go straight. He did not even want to pull the job in the first place. Come on, Lorenz. Come clean with the whole story. It'll be a lot easier on you. Let's have it from the start now. Well, I will tell you everything if you promise. We make no promises, Lorenz, but you might just as well come clean. All right. So I picked up Decker. That's the name I gave him. What do you mean, that's the name you gave him? He was crazy. He did not know who he was. I told him he was Decker. I told him he was wanted by the police. But I would look after him and he could work for me in my act. Go on, Lorenz. I held to that story about the police record and made him do as I wanted. Mm. And he didn't want to do anything crooked? No, he never did. He was always preaching to me. You hear that, Jerry? Uh-huh. Right ahead, Lorenz. Uh, when we were on the train making our getaway, he was telling me how sorry he was for this, this Jason here. Sorry we were planted a gun to make him look guilty. He said he wanted to split up with me and go straight if I only wouldn't turn him into the police. And then what happened? And I told him the truth. I told him he did not have a police record. Never did have. I told him his name was not Decker. Yes? He wanted to know who he was. He did not know. He got mad and was going to hit me. You hit him first. Yeah, I did. And he fell off the platform of the train. Well, there's the story you wanted, Mr. Randall. Yes. I guess that clears Decker, or Dan Dugan, as you'll be calling him from now on. Then Uncle Dan can go free? Yes, sir, son. As soon as the doctors are through with your uncle, he can walk out of the hospital a free man. Hmm? Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, well, Lorenz, uh, it seems that Decker is Jerry's uncle. Dan Dugan, the big game hunter. He's been suffering with amnesia, loss of memory, all these years that you've had him under your thumb. And it might also interest you to know he was picked up on the railroad tracks after you knocked him off the train. He was pretty badly banged up, and it's only a miracle that he's alive today. It's mighty lucky he is alive, too, or uh, I'm afraid it'd go pretty hard with you, Lorenz. All right, Fred, lock him up again. Yes, sir. Come on. Golly, how can a man be as mean as all that? He's a pretty tough customer, all right. Guess he won't be so tough for the next 15 years or so, though. Well, he'll be too old to ever work in the circus again when he gets out of jail. Yeah, it looks like his life is finished. Well... Thank you, Captain. I guess we've made Jerry pretty happy. <laughs> How about it, Jerry? Golly, I'll say. Thanks, Captain. Oh, it was a pleasure to be of service to you. you know, most of the time, we try to prove men guilty around here, but this time we've proven your uncle innocent. And it's great to be able to render that kind of help. Well, I guess we'd better be getting back to the circus. Don't forget to drop around and see our show, Captain, as my guest. Oh, thank you, sir. I'll do that. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Captain. Goodbye. Goodbye, and goodbye to you, young man. So long. 
Well, I guess we're through with the police for a while now. Well, it's nice to get that over, all right. Mm. Come along, Jerry. Say, looks like we're in luck again. Here comes a cab. Taxi! To the uh, circus driver. Yes, sir. Well, it's getting back before the show is over. <sighs> well, Jerry, I guess you're pretty happy now, huh? I sure am. Now I've really got an uncle, and, and he's not a crook either. Mm, I told you it'd work out all right. It always does. The only thing to think about now is getting Dan Dugan well and out of the hospital. Oh, he'll come along all right. May take him a while to adjust himself to his new personality. Or rather, his old one, but he'll be as good as new in a short while. Yeah, but he hasn't got any money and no place to go and no job or, or anything. What's he going to do? <laughs> I don't think we'll have to worry much Take about a that, wild Jerry. Guess, Jerry. I always did like Dugan, and although it looked pretty much like he was in on the payroll robbery, it was kind of hard for me to make myself believe it. He'll most likely go back into his old business of big game hunting. He was tops in that field. Well, until the time he feels he's ready to take up where he left off, I'll find a place for him in the circus. You will? Ah, oh, gee, Mr. Randall, that, that's your swell, and I sure thank you for it. Uh, yes, sir. We're not going to let your uncle down. I'll do all I can to help him regain his foothold in life. Golly, I, I just don't know how to thank you, Mr. Randall. Oh, forget it, Jerry. I should be thanking you. Thanking me? For what? Well, for finding the piece of that gun handle. That's what really started to clear up this whole mess. You're a good little detective, Jerry. You sure keep your eyes and ears open. I like being a detective. It, it's fun. Fun finding things out, hmm, Jerry? Yeah, and clearing up mysteries. Uh, speaking of mysteries, Jerry, there's another mystery around the circus that needs clearing up. There is? What is it? Uh, have you met Clara yet? Clara? Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. Who is she? She's the wardrobe lady. Takes care of all the costumes and does the sewing and repairs uniforms. No, I, I haven't met her. Why? Well, I just happen to remember... She told me there's been several spools of tinsel and a, a box of spangles taken from her workbench. She's also noticed that someone has been going through her box of supplies at night. Gee, who could it be? Well, I don't know, Jerry. That's something for you to find out. Now, you go look her up tomorrow and get her to tell you all about it. Tell her that I have assigned you to the case. You bet I will, and, and I'll find out what it's all about, too. <laughs> Just watch and see. <laughs> That's right. Car Jerry in the circus. Kid detective. You got it. He'll get to the bottom of it. Uh, Every time. Yeah. Kid detective. And we would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those darn kids and their dogs. Rags. Rags. Yep. So there it was, yeah, they introduced the next story arc. Apparently Clara is the seamstress of the circus. Yeah. And something's been making off with her uh her stuff. What? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess right now that it's an animal. It's an animal. Seems like a it's probably a bird making a nest with something. It's a giraffe making a necktie. Oh, okay. Cute. Uh, so anyway, so that was fun. Yeah, the, so we won't see Lorenz for a while, hopefully. That dirty mustache twirler. Yeah, he's no damn good. Hopefully we'll meet more people at the circus and get to know them. And the women that ride the elephants, because that's what's important. Yeah. 
Exactly. And Clara, the costume maker. What little boy doesn't mm-hmm. want to hang out with a costume designer? Hmm. Well, we'll find out, Claire, the costume maker. <laughs> so, yeah, you. Uh, I hope everybody's enjoying Jerry the Circus. Um, it's a wacky, fun little show. It is. And uh, so I guess that does leave, does leave us with enough time uh, to play an episode of Popeye the Sailor, where he's giving up uh... his spinach for Wee Tina. Yep, and Wimpy eats his hamburgers, and, uh... Yeah, Wimpy didn't have to change his food, so... Yeah. Um, I gotta say, I admire Wimpy, because every time I'd see him, I was like, oh my god, I want that plate of hamburgers. Yeah, that's a... There's no calories in a plate of cartoon hamburgers. No, no, there's not. Yeah, that, you know, that always made me hungry when I was a kid. And then uh, Ernie and Bert, when they would have pizza and grape soda. Oh. I like so much that that pizza and grape soda. Oh, wow. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, we've got the, uh, uh, oh, this episode of Popeye the Sailor. I don't know if it's via time travel or he falls into a storybook or what ha- what the heck happens, but Popeye, uh, who has given again for forsaken his spinach, and now goes wow 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 and eats wee tina. Yeah, I don't like that either. Wow 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 wow. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. I think this will take twenty bowls of wee tina for me. It sounds like a friend of mine that talks like this all the time. Oh, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Do you believe? Yeah, you do a better impression of him. Ah, uh, yeah. So but I, I found a picture of, of Wimpy with a bunch of hamburgers. I know. That makes me hungry right there. Really? Ooh, sure. That's nice. So, anyway. um, Yeah, so... Uh, oh, those are ghost burgers. Mm. They disappear. Hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah, they meet Robin Hood in this episode. Popeye meets oh, Robin Hood. So wow. maybe he punches uh, the sheriff of Nottinghams. Wow. I don't know. That's cool. I'll rescue the Maid Marian. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so are you ready? Popeye the Sailor? I'm ready. I am what I I'm am because I am what I am. All right. All hands on deck. Here's Popeye. Tonight is another night by the fireside. 
It's after supper at Olive's house, and we find our four friends discussing their favorite book and talking about the place and the people they like the best. Oh, dear, I just love this book about Robin Hood. Every time I read it, I get sort of homesick for Sherwood Forest. Yeah, Robin Hood and his, and his merry men was an elegant crew of swabs, all right. Gee, they sure were. That's the life for me. Dressing in Lincoln Green and hunting in the Great Forest. And righting wrongs and, and doing kind acts. With plenty of need for muscle and sock. To say nothing of roast, venison, and huge meat pies. Let's see. There was Friar Tuck and Robin Hood and Little John. And Alan A. Dale. And oh, I do declare that man had the loveliest eyes. Boy, I knew in your Google eyes. Go on, Olive. Read some more. All right. Where were we? Now, let me see. Oh, yeah. The notes of a golden horn faded athwart the still sunlight as light through stained glass. Olive, listen! The trumpet! Just like the time we joined Robin Hood before! That's right, matey. And Robin Hood said we might come back by a story read by firelight. I do believe it's going to happen again. I'll go on a reading and we'll see. From far and near, the winding call of the hunting horn summoned a very... them yonder across the stream. Gee, let's go over there. Maybe we'll find Robin Hood. And good Friar Tuck. Ah, does he know his groceries? Well, we has to find a bridge or something first. Uh, this stream is too wide to jump across. Listen, that's Robin Hood's horn. It seemeth to come from yonder forest behind us. Now, don't you start that seemeth business, Wimpy. It's all right for these Robin Hood guys, but it sounds goofy coming from you. Quiet, everybody. Here's Robin Hood now. Greetings, Popeye. Greetings. Well, do my old bones recall the sound rubbing thy quarterstaff gave them? Oh, you embarrass me, Robin Hood. <laughs> it wasn't nothing. Oh, come, my pretty Popeye. Hey, now I know you must be making fun of me, on account I sure ain't what you call pretty. Masoot! Tell me not that thou tuckest away a brain in that unbreakable pate of thine. Hey, listen here. Me brain ain't very fancy, but it's elegant for me purpose. Verily, Popeye, thou shouldst pull thy temper. Uh, of a truth, my friend, good Robin Hood doth but pull thy leg. Odd bodkins, my Popeye. Canst thou not take a joke? Odds pull it all of you. Uh, and how are you, Mr. Robin Hood? Oh, fair health, sir. Fair health and right glad to have you here. But come, let us join the others. Oh, we'd love to, but uh, how do we get across that stream? By yonder ford, of course. Ford? Well, ask me, Hyde. Was them things a-running way back in these days? Robin Hood meant we cross the stream by stepping stones. The lad is right. Fair Olive, you up on one arm and the lad up on the other. I will carry thee across. Oh, dear. This is too thrilling for words. Olive, hey, can't you tell the difference between romance and politeness? Well, with a person like you, politeness is more than just romance. It's a miracle. I'm ready, Popeye. A listening. Ah, thou art light as a feather. And now, lad, up with you. Mmm, thou weighest quite well for a lad thy size. Ah, but let us be off, hopping right merrily from stone to stone. 
Robin Hood is indeed nimble of foot. He has gained the father bank with Olive and Matey. Yeah, and here he comes back again. And now for yonder wimpy. Another mere featherweight, I assure you. You mean feather bed. Filled to the neck with hamburgers. Oh, featherweight or feather bed. I've managed to carry thee. Come up you go. By me, Trosser, this sack must be loaded with lead. Yeah, Wimpy don't weigh scarcely a ton. Uh, can you manage him, Robin Hood? <laughs> Which he will. I, I make it or drown. Blow me down. Robin Hood, I doesn't think I could have done better myself. Oh, my friend, I come now for thee. <laughs> me, halibut. Now up for the thimbleful. Up with you. Hey, I object to this here babe and arm stuff. Come, sir, I brook no argument. Come up and away. Here we are, all over safe. And even Popeye had to be carried. I am mad and, and I am embarrassed. I could have done it all by myself. Come faster. I cannot have thee, Popeye, down in the mouth in me own Sherwood Forest. No, but you're trying to make a big sisky out of me. Oh, sir, by hair and hollow, that shall not be. I tell thee what. What's that? I perceive that I have left me leathern pouch on yonder bank. You may carry me there and fetch it back here. Ah, uh, you don't have to do all of that. I goes and gets it for you. Ah, I carry thee here, and by common courtesy, thou shalt carry me back. Okay, if you put it that way, I carries you. Up you goes. Thou is no slight load thyself, Sir Ravingswood. Have a care, Popeye. Them stones are slippery. Ah, oh, hasn't trod slippery dicks all me life for nothing. Here we goes, hopping. Ah, thou art a fair and noble sportsman, Popeye. And now put me down, sir. Okay, now get your pocketbook and let's get back. Right, me good man. I have it up now. Up with you. What you mean, up with me? Why, I must fain carry thee back for the courtesy of thy having carried me here. Tis a custom. Nothing doing. I has a old Popeye custom of the own. Here, sir, put me down. That'll pay then scamp. What meanest thou be this? It means I am going to take a run and jump and land you on the other side in one hop. Here I go. I hope she ain't embarrassed on Mr. Robin Hood. Oh, no, no. Fair sport and fair winnings leave no hard feelings. But Wilt's try my game. Sure, right, Wilt. What is it? Oh, me, Popeye. I'm sure you're in for something now. Tis not but to shoot arrows with me good long bow at yon archery butt. Blow me down. Bows and arrows. Uh, let's play engines. Hmm, thou speakest light. Yet not another man in all merry England can draw the stout long bow of Robin Hood. Gee, it sure is a big bow. Aye, lad. And it taketh a mighty man to even draw back the thong. See, I fit an arrow. Beg pardon, but in just which direction do you intend to shoot? At yon target, set at a hundred paces. I mark you. I draw back the thong thusly. The arrow I aim fruity and let fly. Yeah, that's a 
hooligan Robin Hood right smack in the bullseye. I fit yet another arrow. And now to send this arrow after the other. What? He split the first arrow right in half. Blast me eye. That's a marksmanship. Hey, hey, can I try me skill now, Mr. Robin Hood? Don't be ridiculous, Popeye. You never shot one of them things in your life. I want not that thou should be a laughing stock, Popeye. I takes me chances. So be it. Here is the bow. Now let's see. First I pulled this here bowstring back here like this. Huh? Hey, this is tougher than I thought. Why <laughs> not a noodle, sir? This bell tickleth me. Now I let the arrow fly. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. No good free feed it flew. It serves you right, Popeye. You know very well shooting arrows isn't your sport. Oh, the truth not. Tis the sport of kings. But I am too kindly to say fooey. Don't let it bother you, Popeye. You're champion. Plenty of other things. Oh, I knows what's the matter. Me muscle ain't up to poor Presker. I'm gonna work down a skipping stones into their river. Ah, I have an inspiration. Would it be? Yes, it would. I need special extra arrow shooting muscle. Give me me favorite cereal. Your requirement? Well, because this bow is tough and I wants to make me a bullseye, I needs at least two bowls. Two bowls coming up. Ah, me senses wound me. Is that aroma that doth sniff so blissfully? Yay! Oh, don't tell me, lad. It, it's sweet Tina. Two bowls for a bullseye. Now look at me, muscle. Now hand me that there long bow, Robin Hood. Oh, thou beest a glutton for punishment. Hey, I knows me cereal. Now let's see. I pulls it back like this. Why, me faith, what here is tied? I'm kind of afraid it's your bow, Robin Hood. Ah, that is paddle, lad. No man can break that bow. Pull her full well back, Popeye. Uh, I am sorry, I am. A, oh, I'll get you a new bow. Oh, it was worth the price of a bow to see it done. And besides, they grow right here in Sherwood Forest. Uh, a big pardon, Robin Hood. In sooth and by my halibut, I could but feign me a hamburger. Of what? Speakest thou, Wimpy? Whatever the foes but food, I'm that ashamed. Oh, no, but tis the time nigh now for the feastings. Only one thing I would ask. Hey, Mr. Robinwood, you're an elegant guy, and I tries to oblige you in anything you ask. Tis only this. Tomorrow... I and my merrymen go on a dangerous mission. A stout heart such as thee would mean much. Dangerous missions is me duty and me pleasure. Good. Then the boon I crave is granted. But come, no more now. I will tell thee all on the morrow. And now, with my horn, let me summon all to the feast. <laughs> Popeye, you know what? You're sort of a Robin Hood. Oh, matey, that's too big a compliment for me. But but every swab ought to try to be a Robin Hood. Why, Popeye? Well, because then the world would soon find out there ain't really nothing going on but kindness, generosity, and good deeds. <laughs> Thank you.
Mr. Harper, will you take the stand, please? Yes, sir. Now, do you swear to tell the whole truth, the whole truth, the whole truth, the whole hey, truth? Hey, listen, whole truth. Keith, Jack Benny pulled that one just a while ago. Well, we, Tina and Jack Benny, don't have any quarrel. Now, Mr. Harper, I understand that you had a dish of wheat Tina for breakfast this morning. That's right, sir. Now, how do you know it was wheat Tina? Well, because I tasted it, that's how. I know that's wheat Tina flavor anywhere. Uh, you've tried other cereals? I've tried them all. He's tried them all! He's tried them all! Your Honor, he's tried them all. One more question, Mr. Harper. Yes. It's been a long time since breakfast. Now, you must be tired and hungry. Tell the jury how you feel. Oh, I'm not tired at all. I'm full of zip and go. Hey, I could stay here two hours longer. That's some cereal. That we Tina. Oh, whoopee! I object. The testimony is undignified. Objection overruled. Testimony is peculiarly fitting. I had we Tina this morning myself. Whoopee! Quite adjourned. <laughs> What do you have for breakfast? Spinach flavored Watina? Watina? I vaguely remember there was something, I think it was a wacky packages sticker or something. Yeah. And they they had Feetina cereal. <laughs> hot, hot Feetina? Cereal. Yeah, hot cereal that tasted like dirty feet. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 I gotta, yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna have to see if, uh, if I can find it. Garbage Pail Kids or what? No, wacky packages. They were um, they were like fake products. Yeah, so were No, garbage so were pail kids garbage were pail kid. No. Okay. They were spoofs of the of the cabbage patch kids. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I'm waiting for you. You were searching for feet Tina. Yeah. I'm just finding feet on the internet. Oh, yeah, don't search a famous actress in the name Feet. Powerpuff Girl Feet. Power, uh, not Powerpuff. Um, My Little Pony Feet. That's yeah, I awesome. found it. I'm just having a hard time uh, opening the picture. So, because it's an eBay auction. Oh, gosh. So, Ooh. anyway, what do you think of Popeye? Uh, he's Popeye the Sailor Man. Yep. Uh, that's very strange that they mixed it with um, Robin Hood, but they seemed happy about it. That's nice. Yeah. What'd you so, think? It was okay. It was it was what I thought it was gonna be like magical time yeah. travel. You know, they didn't yeah, walk into a storybook, but they read it by campfire, and you know, hmm. yeah. Uh, and that's uh, how they got it. So, uh, but yes, I found Fitina. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I'll, I'll post it. I, I'm sorry, my my computer is running a little janky awesome. right now because um, yeah, did somebody that's... else post it. Yeah. Oh, 
What? Oh, did you just looked I'm it just, up on it's, your own. It's running slow, and I'm agreeing with you. That happens sometimes. Oh, okay. That's okay. All right, so there's Fetina. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's so silly. Uh, uh, yeah, flavor with a flavor kick. Flavor with a kick. Ten toes in every bowl. It's toasted. Oh, God. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, wacky packages. They were, um... Yeah, I remember that. Those? 70, the 70s. So I had some, oh, of those, yeah. some of those when I was a kid. I put some on my on my headboard, or no, on my dresser, I think. So, yeah, you did. Like kids do. So, <laughs> like kids in the 70s did. Yep. Maybe I should order Just... the, the Fitina one and we'll give it away as a prize. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, yeah. So, uh... But yeah, they they have a a whole bunch of uh, uh, crazy ones. Wacky packages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I confuse those with Cabbage Patch Kids. Garbage Pail Kids. Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Then they have uh, let me see uh, hostage filled cupcakes. <laughs> no lord. Not hostess, but hostage. Not cupcakes. hostage, but hostage. That's fun. Yeah. It's fun stuff. So. Uh, filled with mud, filled with mud cupcakes, the food kidnapper kidnappers give their victims. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. But uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, we could save anyway. more wacky packages for a, another day. So yeah. Well, I hope I hope everyone enjoyed the fun stories we gave them and has a good Thursday and we'll see you tomorrow for a. Uh, it came from Cleveland because Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. We got some big birthdays tomorrow and it came from Cleveland. Uh, I'm yeah. going to be uh, talking about Herman Munster himself, Fred Gwynn. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Joe's awesome. going to be talking about Harrison Ford and Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Miles is going to be talking about Patrick Stewart. Michelle's going to be talking about uh, Corey Feldman. And we'll have lots of other fun features. Um... I'm going to try and get the robots uh, to get do their job, but I don't know if there will be time. We'll see. Because um, t- this week it was a busy week. Yeah. Just got yeah, back yeah, from yeah. a road trip down to uh, Columbiana County again. It's going to be the last one for a while. Um, uh, auction stuff. Uh, so I'm No one told source. me if I spent this money... It wouldn't be mine anymore. Uh, the Josh Fenderman story. <laughs> so, Mr. Show yeah. reference. But yeah, so we're going to have lots of fun tomorrow on the program. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a great show. I think that'll, that'll be our 15th episode. Wow. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, yeah, and we actually are having fun and not talking That's about cool. all the garbage that, you know, uh, pollutes the... The news cycle. I'm over all that stuff. I just I, I don't yeah. look at it. I don't care about it. When I see it, well, it just makes me angry, and I don't want to be angry anymore. Yeah, I mean, you watched it for a long time, and you know, there's no saying you can't check in with the news, check in with politics once in a while. I do. I just but want to talk about it. Too much. Uh, being obsessed with everything that happened. It was too much. Yeah, especially this last year. Just bad yep. memories. So. Yep. 
So you want to concentrate on what makes you happy, and that's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for us. I hope everybody enjoyed the show tonight. Sorry for the snafu for our live listeners, but the entire podcast will be ready to go for you tonight over on SoundCloud, Radio for Humans on SoundCloud. Find the brand new uh, playlist for for Time for Go to Bed, and it came from Cleveland. (laughs) Good night. Good night. for go to bed.